0: Purple Daily is Daily Vikings Entertainment. I just want the Vikings to
1: win a Super Bowl before we die. I will ride with this group. Seriously, man, please. Away we go.
0: And it is time for Purple Access, which of course is part of the Purple Daily family. Sponsored as everything we do uh, is sponsored these days under the Purple Daily umbrella by our friends at Quick Trip. It is Judd, it is Chip Scoggins, Declan, uh, as always, at the controls. Ross Brendel is ordinarily at the controls, actually, for this show, but he is off this week. Chip Scoggins, Star Tribune Sports Columnist, good to have you along, as always, my friend. Uh, And I want to start here. I want to start with Justin Jefferson's whirlwind tour of Media Row at the Super Bowl. I don't know what he's hawking, uh, but he spent (laughs) yesterday appearing on various shows now I think some people were, were like, well, yeah, I mean he's not saying I mean who who cares? The Vikings are going to pay him. But I think it's worth sort of deconstructing his words here. Uh because yeah. there seems to be a preconceived notion that if Kirk Cousins is not back, that Justice Jefferson's not coming back, which I think is folly. And I mean he has he has made made it clear he, he would like Kirk back, to which I say, Of course he is. What's he going to say? Um but I am I am reading from X a quote by Justin Jefferson, that Kevin Seifert retweeted, okay? Um, Je- Jefferson said, among the uh, among the things that he talked about on what would have been Wednesday, I want to break the bank, as far as his contract negotiations go, and I want to be part of an organization that wants me and to really uh, give me what I deserve. He also had said... I feel like eventually the Vikings will do what they need to do to have me in the building, but I don't really know at this very moment. Only time will tell. Here's my question off of this, because I do agree with Mm -hmm. his sentiment. And I think we all agree that Justin Jefferson almost certainly is going to be signed to a massive contract in the coming months by the team. That being said, do you think it now becomes at least a little bit of a story that until this contract gets done, they seem to be, at some point last summer, on the precipice of this contract being done, and it didn't get, get done. Because the teams and the players at that point always come out and say, hey, look, the season's starting, we'll re, uh, revisit this when the season is done, it's a non-story, move on. Okay, the season's done now. Contract's not done, we expect it to, but something stopped it from being done last summer. How much do you think that this has the ability to at least turn into a story worth paying attention to until there is some type of closure?
1: Well, I yeah, I think you absolutely do because we've seen things fall apart for whatever reason uh, in these situations. And I think when you're talking about a contract that's going to be historic, there's always that uh, possibility that uh, it turns a little messier than teams would want. You know, I think we all thought, Okay, because it's Justin Jefferson and his importance to the organization. This would get done. I I fully expected we would show up, we were going to show up to training camp last year and it'd be one of those first day of training camp press conferences. Here's Justin, here's this big publisher clearinghouse check uh, that we're giving him. (laughs) That's for old school. I don't know if anybody knows those anymore. But, uh, uh, and so the longer it goes, and there's, you know, it hasn't been to the point where it's like, I'm not going to show up or is, you know, right. It's all been cordial and everything that Quasey said, we're, you know, we have great dialogue. We talk all the time. So I think they've done a good job of, of not bringing it into the public and making it a daily thing. Like what's going on? Why is this not getting done? But here we are, John, we're into February and it hasn't been done yet. And so uh, the longer it does go on, I think it's going to continue to be a, a story. And, um, but it, it, you know, it's going to get done. You know, I don't, there's no doubt in my mind about that because of just his importance. But I just think because you're talking about setting the market and right. possibly making him the highest paid non-quarterback in the league, that's not something you, that's a complicated contract. And I'm sure how they structure it and all that, it just, it, you know, probably um, takes longer than all of us would like it to take.
0: Well, and I'm I'm sure that there is some back and forth, if not quibbling, at least, discussion about like okay if you're going to exceed the bosa contract by how much yeah. so yeah these these are i would say uncharted waters as far as negotiations for the vikings go on a nine quarterback when there is the outside chance that kirk could come back now personally i don't know about that but there but at least it you know until that's done that has to be considered a possibility too so i do think that there are a lot of variables and and moving parts here uh, that while Jefferson is probably the main focus, he's certainly yeah. not the only focus. Well, and don't you, don't you think too,
1: typically, you know, when you're talking about these contracts and even big ones, like you know, TJ Hawkinson, don't you typically look like what other tight ends are making? And then that's your, that's where you start from. And, and correct. And I'm sure, I'm sure they're doing that here with the wide receiver and, and Tyreek Hill and say, okay, that's $30 million. But I don't think he's just wanting to be the highest paid wide no. receiver. I think he wanting want to be the highest paid uh, quarterback. Uh, and so that adds a layer of complication to it. And so, uh, but it, you know, how that contract looks affects so many dominoes in the off season. And so, I, I think the the sooner you can get that figured out and finalized, then the game plan can kind of fall in order a little bit, and you know, kind of where you're at and and how to you know proceed.
0: Okay, as we we uh, sit here in February, what eighth today? Combine mm-hmm. is at the end of the month. Obviously, free agency follows on the heels of the Combine. Um, what are your What are your odds today of Kirk Cousins being re-signed by the Vikings? Are they going up or down uh, in your mind? I don't think that it's really changed in my mind.
1: Um, I've, I've said I still think there's a very strong possibility that they sign him to a two-year deal and draft a quarterback uh in the second round or late first if they can get back in it um i just that i don't know why i feel like that's the most logical cho- thing that they'll they'll choose uh i mean because there's you know three different paths really that they
0: that they can go down i
1: feel like that's the most logical one so i don't think in my mind that it's changed any what about you
0: well here's my thing i think in a perfect world from the viking's end that what you just said is the plan? You know, let's sign Kirk to a two-year, yeah. uh, almost at that point a bridge contract. Draft a sure, quarterback, yeah. develop said QB, and then when Kirk leaves, bang, plug in JJ McCarthy or Penix or something. But here's the issue: Kirk's sort of mediator doesn't sound like Kirk is going to come like with a bridge type contract. And I, I just no. think at the end of the day, my my question is this. And it's a very difficult question to answer because I don't know what the relationships are like in the building, but I think Kirk and Kirk's agent are going to say he's recovered. He's going to be fine. We want full value on one last contract, probably preferably three years, perhaps two, but we want to be paid and we want guarantees because they established Mm -hmm. that.
1: I don't know the Vikings
0: can afford to do that. And, and my, my last point is when I say, I don't know what the relationships are like, TCO. I'm talking about, I don't think we have any idea. Forget the Wilfs, which are which are a major factor. I don't think Chipper, we know right now what the working relationship, and I'm not trying to say it's bad, I don't know, is between Crazy and Kevin. You know, as far as like, is Kevin saying, we gotta get Kirk back? And Crazy saying, look at this, Kevin. No, we can't, or is Kevin saying, I don't know about that? You know, so like there's so many variables here. We will eventually learn because it eventually comes out. But we yeah. don't know this yet. And and it goes back to like when Rick and Mike, uh, or I'm, I'm sorry, Rick and Brad started yeah. together. We didn't know what that relationship was like. Well, to me,
1: you have three, we'll call it the triangle of authority.
0: <laughs> exactly.
1: We're back I mean, to mean, we'll, we'll coin it. But the Wills, yep. <laughs> Kweisi, yep, and O'Connell. So if you set the triangle of authority, those three, entities in a room would they all have the same vision for what they need to do i don't think so no that's my exact point so who wins well i I think the owners have to it has to start with the owners because i mean these are such fundamental foundational questions when you're talking about quarterback and that kind of money because Forget the hometown discount, whatever cousin said, it's not about – it's always about the money and setting, you know, you, you want guaranteed and you right. want, to, want to be paid his value, what he thinks he is, and all the pressures that go in with it, those things. So this idea that he's going to take, you know, some contract, his team contract because he loves me, so forget it. Um, and so, yeah, I mean, I'm sure O'Connell – you know, he's trying to win now and give him the best chance to win. Poisey has to think about now and the future and, you know, rebuilding this roster and the Wolves are fans. Um, would they be on board with, you know, paying that kind of money to to Cousins or turn it over to a rookie? Uh, it would be fascinating to see if you had those three. And I, I assume those conversations happen, right, with just.
0: I hope so. Know, they better um, happen. Kinda,
1: where you sit down and say, what are we? In this right. snapshot right now, what are we, uh, and and have that conversation about who they are right now and and how they need to proceed? And so, yeah, we don't know. I I, I know the wolves are fans. I know they love when they walk out of the locker room. You can tell when they won or lost by their body language and their faces. Yep. And so, but does that mean they're going to dictate to quasi Hey, man, we need to have Kirk back, and because we're you know we like being in the mix, or um, we think it's time to move on with another uh, path and, and go with a younger quarterback. This is Tom Bernard. Can't get enough of Sports Talk with Phil Mackey and Judd Zolgad. Tune in to the new Tom Bernard Show podcast Monday through Friday as Phil and Judd join me to discuss the latest sports headlines and whatever else comes to mind. Just download the Tom Bernard Show app wherever you get your podcasts or visit com. It's another way to get more from me and Judd talking sports and having fun with Tom. And it's all at your fingertips. Download the Tom Bernard Show app now and join the conversation.
0: I completely agree with your sentiment, but I guess my question is this: Then, if the wolves are in th- that room and weighing in, and I don't know that for sure, but they certainly yeah. could be. Well, they should be, right? But if but if they are, but if they are weighing in to say we have to keep Kirk, I guess my question is: Why did you hire uh, Quasi to a certain degree, but more importantly, O'Connell, who's a quarterback guy?
1: Yeah, well, I, and I don't know if they're saying that. I'm just saying, you know, right. whatever their are the direction they're telling, them. and it might just be more. Yeah, I mean, you would think that they would trust the GM that they hired to run it, but there is a philosophical approach about where you're at, what your objectives are, how do you see yourself, because if you know, let's take Chicago for example, that GM has to sell owners like you know what we're going to be bad. We're going through a major rebuild. We're getting we're going to do this. And and the ownership have to say has to say good.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: The Vikings aren't in that situation, but they're in they're at an inflection point here, I think, right? Where you have to figure out oh, so. how you you know, how you get on the path where you think it's leading towards being a, a true contender. And that takes hard decisions and it takes a philosophical approach and a, you know, like them saying this is what we believe we have to do to get there and your ownership has to sign off on that
0: absolutely but here's my so here's my thing too is the more that i've been thinking about this in recent weeks okay i think the vikings are at an inflection point here that's actually favorable if it's done right the vikings lack a couple of things one especially on defense impact players mm-hmm. because hunter might come back he might not he's an impact player inside defensive line now yeah L- linebackers the you know pace signing was good but i mean he wasn't drafted and he's a smaller guy like i'm talking yeah. impact guys okay so they like impact players on defense and they like depth because the 2022 draft kills you you know you can't yes. plug booth and you can't plug scene in you can't plug it looks like Osmo. so yeah. so with those two things my feeling is this you need to spend a year not necessarily being terrible but building things back up. You need to have another good draft. You need Ooh. to, and and then if you come out of this and Kirk's contract is not on the books, no dead cap is left on the books for 25 chipper, that's another draft. And in March of 25, free agency gives you an opportunity to make some impact signings. So yeah. I think this is the perfect time. It's not to tell the Wilfs we're going to be terrible, but it's to tell yeah. the Wilfs, we can hit a reset here that's going to be pretty impactful. And if we do this right, you're not going to have yeah. to wait. Like, like you're not taking the thing down to the studs by any means. And offensively, you are, you know, if you replace Kirk, offensively, you still have weapons. Well,
1: that's that's it. I mean, um, you know, you, you look at what they've invested money-wise and in what they're going to give Jefferson, Hawkinson, what they're going to give Darisol. You know, you spend – a high draft pick on, on, on Addison, um, Brian O'Neill's a high paid, uh, right tackle. So right. you've invested a lot of money in there. And so you want to see that all that money maximized. So that might be part of the uh, algorithm too. It's like, okay, what you have this unanswerable, unanswered question at quarterback, what, what gives you the best chance to, to maximize all this money, the investment that you put in there. But, I agree with you on the defensive side. It's like, that's a problem, like mm-hmm. a big problem. And you have to say, what well, how what's the best way that we can fix our defense? Cause you know, coaching alone cannot be the magic wand. And so they're going to have to replenish the talent pool on defense. And that means drafting smart, but using a lot of draft picks and on that side of the ball. So I, it's, It's a tug of war. I I bet there's a tug of war going on internally about, gosh, what do we do to, you know, maximize what we have? We pay on offense right now and try to, you know, still be relevant. And, and, you know, in the division. I'm sure I'm sure that says cousins, but. Right. um, But I just don't know how you make it all work. When you're, if you pay him that kind of money, and we're thinking forty million, I think is a starting point, right? You yeah,
0: he ain't taking less. Than Daniel Jones, no. dude, and and no, he probably shouldn't.
1: No, he's not. And so, and then Jefferson and Darisol, boy, it, it's uh, you know, I'm Capologist and Rob uh, Brzezinski's great, and they can always figure it out. But man, this seems like a really complicated puzzle to try to figure out.
0: Yeah, and they can bring the cap hit uh, like. On if they do, which, as we just talked about, I think they will, the Jefferson contract, that cap hit for 2024 can actually come down. But the sure. problem is you always have to pay the Piper at some point. And the Kirk mm-hmm. thing, too, is unless Kirk, and I don't know what, why he would do the Vikings this favor, unless he extends the deadline on his dead cap hit that's already scheduled to go on the cap, I think it's 28 plus million. dollars. Yep. That's going to go on the cap on the first day of the league year and anything he signs for here above and beyond that, which, you know, he clearly will, uh yeah. will go on the cap as well. So like, you've got to get this done. Like with Kirk, you yeah. can't be, if Kirk hits free agency, I think it's done, but I just, I think at some point in time, the wills have to accept that there is a path here. Like you tried this and, and you know what? Yeah. You made the playoffs a couple of times. You won one playoff game. There is a path here, and and if I am Kwesi and Kevin O'Connell privately, I'm thinking we're going into year three of four-year yeah. contracts. And I get an extension, you're telling yeah. me that you're going to put pressure on me to win next year. And then, by the way, if I don't, it's easy to blow me out. I would much prefer a plan of, okay, here's when we're going to be really competitive again, and it's not going to be in five years. It's going to be in a couple of years.
1: Well, that's the thing. The, the, I mean, their contract situation is like this is not just unlimited years that they get to try. To Those are short-term
0: contracts, on, dude. Four years.
1: They, yeah, and you're on year three, coming off a, a, you know a bad year, um, and so that's the other thing. Do they say? Would they get the assurance? Like if they if they you know don't bring back Kirk and they you know a bridge or a rookie, will the Wolf say? Will they? Will that buy them time? Um. Or do they feel like, man, we better win, like have a bounce back this year. And, and so what's the surest way to doing that? Yeah. Cousins, Right. And so, you know, I, I, I don't, you know, and that that's where you don't know the level of patience that the Wolves have in terms of, uh, you know, would would they be willing to say, yeah, you know, we're going to give you a little more runway here. To figure this out, figure the defense out, because, you know, they know what's going on with the 2022 draft class too. Also, they realize that's a, you know, that's, that's a strike against this regime in terms of their drafting. Yeah. So uh, yeah, it's, it's, uh, but you know, these things have to be, you know, right here in front of their face and getting this thing resolved because um, you can't keep punting this. Jefferson thing down the road too much farther.
0: No, and and uh, on defense, you, you can't, like, Brian Flores worked miracles and deserves credit, but you know what? The defense started to get injured and picked apart, and I saw, you know, yeah. like, tweets, you know, oh, the Flores defense don't look so good now. It's like, do you understand what he took and improved, you know, by yeah. a lot? Um, yes, there are going to be some faults, but, you know, now O.C.'s, who play the Vikings are going to spend the off season in dark rooms watching film and deconstructing. We saw it. You've yeah, so you've got to give him, you've got to help him personnel wise. And again, I think that's going to take a little bit of time. I, I think we saw
1: that at the end of last year, the last what would you say? Agreed. Five five weeks where the Bengals I game. Think, I, I think O'Connell even said, you know, something to the effect of, "These these coordinators are good, and they start to figure out your vulnerable spots." Yep. You know those crossing routes that we saw and, you know, the middle of the field things. And and, and so I I keep coming back to this, Judd, and you said it, high-end talent. If you take away the Neil Hunter, name a high-end talent or a foundational player on the defensive side. Like I go back to how it used to be, and I may have made this example before where, you know, you know, in the secondary, Xavier Rhodes, Harrison Smith, I'd say Trey Waynes, Eric Kendricks, Anthony Barr, Everson Griffin. Oh, no question. You looked at those guys. You said, these are guys that you, five years from now, in the next five years, these are going to be your front-line starters. You're going to get high end. You're going to have some Pro Bowl players in there. Who do you look on, on this defense right now that started and say, for the next five years, this player is a
0: foundational player who might reach Pro Bowl level? Not yet.
1: I, I can't name no. one.
0: No, no. Like they, they could eventually show themselves, but right now, no. And and Shipper, you you go back to the teams that that w- we covered together on the beat for the Star Tribune in two thousand nine. Kevin and Pat, yeah, I couldn't run against them. Jared yeah. Allen, Winfield, Winfield. Um, Greenway. Yeah, exactly. Like you had to to what you're saying. You had foundational. If they weren't star players, they were damn good. And and it's funny because. Kevin Williams, in my opinion, was never properly appreciated. Like, he was, you know, I think what he did got lost in the shuffle at times. But what a marvelous three technique. And I I always thought that he he was a borderline Hall of Fame discussion guy. For sure. You know, I don't know if he will ever get there, but he's for sure. He won't, I don't think. But I mean, you you watch him. Yeah. You're like, oh, my God, this guy is special.
1: They had premier players, you know, Jared, him, Winfield. Um, I think Greenway was a Pro Bowl player, you know, when he was in his best. And so I just, that's not to say none of these guys can develop right into that. But who are you betting on at this point? And so I think there's just so many, there's missed drafts by Spielman, for sure. Yes. And the 2022 class to this date has been a miss. And so that's where the focus has to be.
0: Well, even though so right. there's
1: there's even though there's bigger, sexier, more expensive questions that you have to answer on, on the offensive but, side, the defensive side needs all the care and attention right now.
0: You nailed it, man. Um as great as the Jefferson pick was, and as great as, as that Diggs trade turned out really in a lot of ways for both sides. But I mean sure. you know, to have the luck of Justin falling to you, just like Moss yeah. did, to take him uh and tragically Jeff Jeff, glad he died, but that second first round pick could have been Antoine Winfield Jr., who the Vikings watched all the time. Yeah. <laughs> we watched all the time, all the time. And yeah. I don't remember anyone saying, ah, he's not going to be that. He's too small. He he ain't going to be that good." We're all like, "This yeah. guy is a the the only the only thing that I thought that that uh Winfield Jr. you know athletically gifted." The only yeah. thing I thought. That he was better at, though, beyond his athletic gifts, was was his football savvy. His football acumen, just like his dad, was off the charts. You know, imagine if you take him. And I know at the time, it's like, well, he's a safety. You don't need He plays the slot corner. He plays safety. He could have played that Josh McTellus rover role. That, like, Mm -hmm. to your point, that miss now, which was not a hindsight miss. We all were like, you probably should take him, was was huge.
1: yeah, I mean, you mentioned his instincts. I mean, you know, I covered pretty much all his games for the Gophers, and the number of game-changing plays and game-saving plays—you had like five of them in one season. Fresno well, State, game. yeah, right? um, yeah. I mean, just you know, peels back and makes an incredible interception in the end zone. So, I mean, uh, yeah, I mean, it, this is not just a Quasi problem. When you look at the roster and the lack of depth there, this is a previous regime problem that, uh, you know, it just has to be front and center this offseason and in this draft. And you can't do it all in one draft, right? Right. But that's it's exactly. uh, it's something that's got to be addressed, and they've got to inject that side of the ball with a lot more talent.
0: Yeah, and how, how nice would, would it be a year from now to be also talking about for the first time in a long time being a a, a big spender potentially or a significant yeah. one? in free agency, because that's when you can go out and get guys then who you can plug and play and who are going to make, to to our point, they're going to make a difference as game changers, game wreckers.
1: Yeah, and, and because, and, you know, so far in Coise's, you know, short time here, he's been more of a one-year into free agency. Let's give the guy a one-year contract, Yeah, almost kind of approve it, see if we, you know, it, it would be – uh nice to, for them to be back in that other situation where you identify a guy who's in that second contract, you know, still prime. Oh, yeah. That you can give a big deal, come in, you know, okay, for next five years this guy is going to be this for us.
0: Yep. For all his faults, when Childress got the job mm-hmm. and the Wolves had bought the team, I think they signed the agreement in, like, May of 2005, Ticey coached that, that year. But then, you know, McCombs had been so cheap. If you recall, that first free agency period, they made a lot of good signings. Mm-hmm. They made a, a lot of yeah. really savvy, smart, you know, Chester Taylor was brought in, Hutchinson yeah. was brought in, Lieber was brought in, Longwell. Yeah. Like, they, they solidified a lot of, of things. And the fact is, you oh. certainly can't do that on a yearly basis, but it would be nice for the Vikings yeah. to, to free themselves up financially enough to have at least the ability to have another, like, splash of guys come in who you know that you can build potentially a championship team around?
1: Well, that's the thing. I mean, you think about, like, the impact that Steve Hutchinson made on that offensive line. I mean, that that line was – you know, we talk so much about the line now, but I mean, I was thinking about this because I heard uh, the thing with Bryant McKinney yesterday. I was thinking about, man, that line was good. That offensive line, Hutch and McKinney and um, Berg – Slash John Sullivan and yep. Anthony Herrera, um, lower Holt. Man, yep. that was a good offensive line.
0: Well, and and Hutch forever changed my opinion of guards because sure. one, he's a you know he's a freaking Hall of Fame player, but two, he came in and it was my opinion that his presence got a lot more out of Bryant than Bryant did.
1: Yeah. Well, Bryant was always Bryant so was physically. I mean, just physically gifted, like yep. his size and ability. You know, there's always that, the motor part. But when you put him next to
0: Hutchinson, that, that was a pretty good tandem there, man. You didn't mess around with Hutch? No, no. Like he was taking no, no grief no. from anybody. And if you didn't take your, your job seriously, he might rip your head off. <laughs> That's right. So, And I appreciated <laughs> you, that. Like that was cool you, to watch.
1: You, yeah, you tiptoed around Hutch.
0: That's right. You're like, hey, Steve, how are you? (laughs) Ah, (laughs) Give me a cup of coffee. All right, dude. Great stuff. Talk to you in a couple Thursdays. See See you, you, brother.